welcome into the show tonight Greg Fitzpatrick, a good friend of the show, a father of Des and Christian Fitzpatrick. And the best part about saying this with Christian is I no longer have to say four-star recruit. I can now say Louisville wide receiver Christian Fitzpatrick. Greg, how you doing, man? I'm hanging in there, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time out of a Friday night to join us. Uh, I'm alongside Alex Stengel, my co-host tonight. Greg, let's let's start with uh, everything that's going on right now, obviously, is is uh, with football has been uh, impacted by quarantine, the, the COVID-19, the national pandemic. Tell me what life has been like for, for you and your family the last three months. Uh, well, it's been challenging. Uh, work-wise for me, you know, I, I work in technology, so, you know, not, nothing has been too uh, – too drastic, right? Because, you know, I live in a world of webinars and WebExes right. and, and things like that. So all this technology and using Zoom and Teams and, you know, and I, all that good stuff, you know, I'm used to it because that's what I do. And, um, you know, for the boys, you know, most kids are technology driven now, right? Most of the millennials and the kids, you know, in this generation, you know, they, they're familiar with you know, using online communication processes, whether they're playing video games or Snapchatting or, you know, using Zoom. So so it hasn't been that much different for them, you know, outside of not being able to really move the way they want to move, right? As far as going to see their friends, as far as going to certain workout facilities and things right. like that. But yeah, but, you know, they've been very active with the coaches, you know, with their, you know, uh, daily meetings with Coach Brewer and, uh, you know, and, and the workouts have been pretty intense. You know, they, they stayed on top of it as far as workouts. But other than that, man, we've been trying to be safe, be disciplined, you know, you know, wear a mask when we go places. You know, we got a ton of that, you know, hand sanitizer and things like that. You know, and different people have different, you know, philosophies on, you know, how deadly this virus is or how the virus spreads and so forth and so on. But, you know, for, for our family, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. You know, so so we're trying to do as much as possible. And plus, Christian's a germaphobe, so it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Fun fact number one of the night. Christian Fitzpatrick oh, yeah. is a germaphobe. He is a germaphobe, dude. <laughs> he really is. So, But it's been challenging, man, but we, we're, we're getting through it, you know, and trying to make things seem as normal as possible. Right. I mean, especially as long as you guys are good on toilet paper. That's honestly, you know, first and foremost, what's always most important, you know, run out, grab, grab a 12 pack of rolls. You never know. Uh, yeah, I love how I, I have like 60 of them in my closet right now because that was part of the, the sheet that followed that uh, announcement. But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad I you guys are doing well. I went to the gas station when everyone else was running to Target and Walmart and all those places. I went to right. the gas station and just got all the toilet paper at the gas station. <laughs> I more, paid a little more, like, but people were going yeah, to like office bags, of staples. Like they were like anywhere. Home Depot even had toilet paper. Oh, was, right. Let me let me ask you this though. Last summer or or just in yes, general, sir. say that the the pandemic wasn't happening. What would be the schedule right now for 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 Christian and Des? What would they be doing right around this time in, in late <laughs> May, June? Uh, well, late May they would they would be home. Uh, and I think last year because they would have finished up spring ball, uh, they would have been at school for a while. But uh, coach Coach Petrina had always given them uh, the entire month of May off. But uh, Coach Sat's schedule was a little different. I think they only got two or three weeks off last year. So they would have been home in May. But, you know, as soon as they came home, they take a couple of days off and then we get right to it. You know what I mean? We, we get right to it. You know, they've got speed coaches here and strength coaches here and, you know, and I, I do all the skill work with them. So they would have been working out. So they would they would have been home anyway, but reporting back uh, sometimes in early June, probably that first weekend in June. Uh, they would be back in school. Yeah, June first, second, something like that. Yeah, they would be right back on campus. So, you know, this this is this is pretty much as close to the normal schedule, which with what they're about to start right now, as possible. You know, starting up in early June, getting back with the strength coach, getting back to their routines, and uh, and getting prepared to uh, enter summer school and then going to camp. So, were they aware um, before? you know, Vince even made uh, an official announcement on, on really, you know, being one of the first schools and one of the first ADs to kind of spearhead, um, you know, moving forward with a plan in, in a timeline, uh, or did they kind of find out like, like everybody else on, on how this thing is going to kind of unfold? 
Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure because it, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird because now that Daz and Chris have each other, you know, right. I've kind of I've kind of stepped back a little bit, right? You know, Daz, you know, that right now Daz just really needs emotional support. Like he doesn't need as much coaching from me anymore. Like I really don't coach him as much anymore, you mm-hmm. know, because you know, Co- Coach Brew, you know, he has that handled. You know, I I couldn't possibly teach him as much as Coach Brew can, but. Uh, you know, so I just handled like that emotional support, you know, get him to think about, you know, a lot of little things. Right. And uh, so now that he and Christian have each other, I don't have as many football conversations as I used to have because they're they're on autopilot. Like Christian's going to try as hard as to keep up. You know, he's, he's still young and, you know, immature in a, in, you know, a few ways I have to call down, you know, call him every once in a while or pull him aside and, you know, get his ass a little bit, you know, <laughs> because we look, we, we look at Christian and, and it's so funny. Desmond made a comment a couple of weeks ago. He goes, dad, you know, he said, Christian, you know, Christian's so big and I always forget that he's my little brother because he, he's so big. He's bigger than me now. And he's taller than me. And he, you know, the Christian looks older than me. He said, but then he'll say something or do something. And I'll just look and go, yeah. He's 18. <laughs> he's my baby brother. So so every once in a while, you know, I, I, I have to, you know, pull Christian's tail a little bit. But uh, they have each other. So I don't get into as many of those conversations, you know, because I know, you know, Dez is doing everything humanly possible to have a great season this year, and, you know, and, and help the team, you know, take that next step, help that offense take that next step. And, you know, and you know, and get ready to, you know, go out with a bang with a senior year. So, so I'm not in his ear as much. So I, you know, I know they have meetings every day, right. Cause they're on, you know, they're on zoom, they're doing their meetings and, you know, and they talk to each other quite a bit. So I, I really don't know when they found out, but I would ask them, so you guys think you're having football? Like, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a season. And they say, oh, yeah, Dad. And, you know, they may share little things with me, but it's in one ear and out of the other ear because I told them to prepare as though there's going to be a season and the schedule will be the same. You you have right. no other choice but to prepare that way. You can't let any negative thoughts, you know, creep into your mind. You can't think about the what ifs because you can't control any of that. Mm-hmm. So you need, yep, so you need to prepare and stay positive as if things are going to continue on as planned. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. In other words, I really don't know, man. I, <laughs> they're 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 ready to go back though. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. What's the plan for for Des and for Christian, and what's you know what's the next couple of weeks going to look like for them? Uh, we know what the the four phase rollout is of this, and that the football players are going to slowly start to trickle in, uh, and they'll be the first team completely back on campus uh, and working out. So, what's the what's the schedule for them? Oh well, for them, you know, they they've been back and forth uh, to look because you know I I've got a, an office down there, a company I work for. We have an office down there, so you know I'm I'm back and forth to Louisville a little bit. So we've been down there a couple times, you know, all three of us, and right. um, yeah. So what's going to happen is they're going to report back, and uh, you know uh, this weekend, but they they'll be coming home. Uh, in another couple weeks, just to spend a little time at home, because I think they get the weekends off. So probably three weeks from now, they're going to come back home for a weekend and uh, just kind of chill out for a couple of days, break the monotony. But uh, they're they're ready to get to it. Like they're so anxious to get to it. Like they're so yeah, they're they're so anxious to get back to it. And uh, you know, I, I know, you know, those guys spend a lot of time. Like the players in general, you know, I may walk past Des and, you know, see him on his phone and there's like seven or eight of them in a group chat, you know, right, right. On, yeah, yeah, just on the Instagram live or something or every once in a while I'll jump into Instagram live, like I'll see Des on Instagram live and I go, okay, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> and I'll jump, I'll jump in for a minute. And I'll jump right back out because those those guys, he, Seth, uh, Malik, oh, all those guys will be in the group chat. And I'll just go, okay, I can't stand here. This is too much comedy for me. <laughs> so I'll go in for two minutes and then get back out. But that that team is that team is a real close knit team. I can tell you that. And 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 I know for a fact that the coaches are like, you know, doing everything possible to make sure that those guys you know, a focus on the off season. So they don't lose the momentum they picked up last year. I know that for a 100% fact. Yeah. So, doing a- 
talking about that and the momentum, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was uh, Mikhail Cunningham talk, talked to the media yesterday, and, and he really spoke about how they were the offense was on another level of speed and clicking in spring practice uh, before everything yeah, yeah. kind of came to a halting stop. What what do you feel like from what you've heard from Des and Christian, who were both there participating together uh, with Christian and rolling early? What what did you feel like was being added, or what did you hear that kind of excited you the most? Well, I went to a few practices. Uh, you know, I think they had seven practices. I think I went to three, maybe four practices. So I got a chance to see firsthand and, and, and watch the team work out. And, uh, and, I, and I remember checking out a practice uh, or two last year, and it was like night and day. You know, it was like night and day. You know, even, even Malik, you know, I mean, just his command of the huddle, his confidence, you know, the pep in his step, and, uh, and just watching those guys go from, you know, from station to station, from period to period, you know, looked entirely different this spring than it did last year. I, I know that for a fact, just the eyeball test, you know, without me knowing mm-hmm. anything about, you know, the plays or the calls. Cause you know, I, I know a little bit of the playbook, you know, Dan's and I, you know, we talk football, so I know a little right. bit of the playbook, but just to see how efficient they were and to see how quick Christian was picking up things and, uh, and, and just keeping up with the intensity and in practice was really encouraging, but I saw quite a few new wrinkles being put in, you know, because they've got the basic, like last year, they ran a pretty basic offense, right. you know, and, and yeah. And, and a lot of people don't know, like coach, coach Satterfield is a hell of a play caller. Right. And, uh, you know, and I think he learned a lot about, you know, his players last year, you know, cause it took, a, you know, t- took an entire season, you know, I'm sure to figure out, you know, you know, who was who. You know, right. who, who was yeah, who was who. And, uh, you know, there's so much more to that offense that people haven't seen yet. And, uh, you know, they're going to see it this year. Yeah, that 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 offense is about to take a, a, a stratospheric leap. It really is. And yeah, based on, you know, based on some of the conversations I've had with Daz and some of the things and wrinkles I know that are being put in, you know, teams that are looking at that offense from last year and think they got it pegged and for a big surprise. Right. I mean, that's one thing we've mentioned, you know, we've, we've kind of discussed multiple times on here is, is the fact that what you just said is, is so true that last year was just year one and Satterfield had to set the foundation for the offense and what they were doing because the kids were learning a whole new system as well. Uh, so this year you already hit the ground running. You already, for the most part, know what you're doing. Uh, and, and I really think, you know, we believe uh, the playbook's going to look so much more creative and different, uh, you know, and it, that's what your point was. If it already looked creative last year, just wait till this season. Because I, I truly believe we're going to see a lot more things uh, to come for that offense. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and when you really think about it, you know, we, we didn't even utilize all the weapons we had, you know, consistently. And that's what's going to be different this year also. You know, so, you know, I mean, you, you've got a lot of playmakers on that offense. And, um they're going to be tough to stop, you know, the line plays well. And, uh, you know, Malik's going to take another, you know, he's going to take another step as far as being a passer. And uh, I think that offense is going to look entirely different. I, I really do. I, I got all the confidence in the world. That's one of the reasons why Dez wanted to stay also. One of the main reasons he wanted to stay because he has confidence that the offense is going to take another step. And that's a, that's an interesting point, and that's something that you and I have talked about a little bit, Greg, uh, for an article that I wrote uh, back around the NFL draft about you know what made him want to come back, and and you, you talk about the offense adding wrinkles, and one of the things last year I think that most fans can agree upon, and anybody who watched Louisville was that Des Fitzpatrick did not get the ball enough. Now you say you can say whatever you want about why that is. Maybe it was the offense wasn't prepared to add in an outside receiver. The quarterback maybe struggled to be to be able to get the ball out there. Uh, defenses were preparing for Des. Whatever you want to say, it's obvious that Louisville didn't get him the ball enough. Uh, and when you look at the the stretch that he had between FSU, BC, and Wake Forest, he had 17 catches, 366 yards, and four touchdowns. Three games, that's nearly half of his production. Um, I think the biggest wrinkle has to be getting Dez involved. So what? How does that? How does that evolve this year? Uh, well, here's here's what I'll tell you. Like even the if you look at the Wake Forest uh, game, I think he had five for 125. That was all in the second half, and they had a 42 or 44 yarder call back. So he literally had 170 some odd yards in one half. And both of those corners for Wake Forest were, uh, I think, a senior and a junior or a fifth year senior and a senior. 
but one of them was supposedly a set, you know, great as a second round, you know, draft choice last year. And uh, he, he pretty much had those guys for lunch. And, 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 and I know he's a capable playmaker. I mean, you know, Dez has been at Louisville for, you know, going on his fifth year. And, you know, anytime his number was called and anytime that he had targets, he made plays and put up numbers. And, uh, and I just think that, you know, now that the staff has been there a year, not the staff sees everyone's capabilities now that they've gotten the chance to, you know, change the culture of the team, make sure that everyone knows exactly what they want to do, how they want to do things. I think they can focus more on X's and O's and coaching now. Cause I think, I think coach Satterfield did an incredible job last year coming Absolutely. in. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in. You know, and, and see, I, I know some of the dirty details of how bad that locker room was. You know what I mean? Probably more than I wanted to know. And, right. uh, yeah, and for him to come in and change that culture that quick, adapt to a new city, move his family here, you know, hire an entire coaching staff. And, you know, and this is his first, you know, power five job for him to come in and do what he did to me was like legendary. It really was. It was legendary. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think, and and we have only scratched the surface. We really have. We're we have only scratched the surface. Like when I look at this team, and that's one of the reasons Christian came here. I told Christian, I said, Christian, I said, Louisville is just like one killer ass recruiting class from just being like a great team and battling back and forth for the ACC championship with Clemson. All they need is just one killer recruiting class where a handful of five stars and four stars just say, you know what? I'm going to Louisville. I'm going to Louisville. That's where I'm going. You know, like a five-star running back comes in, you know, and, and, and after Hawk leaves, all of a sudden, you know, we got like some 6'1", 205-pound, super-fast running back who comes in right behind him, a five-star kid. You know, a couple receivers, a couple linemen, D-linemen, you know, a, a top safety. And all those guys get together and say, you know what, we're all going to Louisville. You know, that's the, that's the type of stuff that changes programs. And I think that Coach Satterfield is building a culture there and a winning attitude there where kids are going to see that, you know, I can come and play for like a really good dude and for a team that's winning. And if all five of us go here, we can we can change things. You know, it, it happened at a lot of schools. If you look at the history of some of these programs who have had really good runs and Coach Satterfield is the type of coach that can attract that kind of talent, you know, it, it, you know, and I think we're only, you know, a year or two from something like that, something like that happening. But this year, you know, we're, we're going to take another we won't have a sophomore slump. We're, we're going to take a leap. I, I firmly believe that. Right. And I, I totally agree with you. It's it, And it's also one thing for a coach to come into a brand new program to try to turn it around and, and, you know, say and talk about the culture. But it's another thing when you can see the kids buy in that quickly. I think that's an that that's a very rare thing to see is a team like that just buy into a new coach uh, that fast. Um, and, and I mean, I, I personally think that's part of why they had that success um, is because once, you know, you have a few kids truly buy in, a few of those leaders buy in, you know, the rest of the team kind of follows suit. Uh, and and that's another thing I was just going to ask, you know, as, as a unique position as you have being a father uh, to now two players on the team, but what was your favorite memory uh, from last year? Because, I mean, there are so many unknowns going into it. I know we talked to you preseason uh, and you were, you know, confident in the offense. Uh, one of the, the few, uh, but yeah, I mean, what was one of your favorite, you know, memories of that initial season with Satterfield? Pro- probably, let me think. There were a few, but I, 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 I forgot what game that was that they won. And Coach Satterfield in the locker room, they were partying in the locker room, and he said, "Guess we're about to go." To the apartments, <laughs> and I'm trying, and I'm trying to remember what you know what that was all about. Like the, it's one of the kids' slogans, or I forgot what it was, but I just remember. And it's hard to pick one because I can be honest. You know, I'm I'm like so emotionally invested in this program, man. I, it's, it's half the time I'm a freaking wreck, man. And, uh, and and I've had games where after the game, you know, I'm just looking at all those kids because see, I know a lot of those kids. And I, and I look at a lot of those kids and just see how happy they are coming out of the locker room or watching the locker room celebrations on video. And I just remember those same kids 
just having a look in their eyes the year before, just a year prior, like they wanted to quit football just because they hated where they were. And for me, seeing those kids and being a dad, you know, and just seeing how happy they are, you know, or how, how happy they were last year, you know, would just always get me emotional. You know, I'd be sitting somewhere with my eyes glazed and just going like, wow, these kids, like, God, this dude actually came in here and made football fun again. You know, there were times where I just thought like, oh, my God, why did my kid come to school here? God, this is so bad. Because, you know, he loves football. You know, both of them love football. Like, they, we're a football family. You know, and we're no different than a lot of other football families. But, I mean, we love it to our core. And, you know, when kids come to school to play college football, they know they only have four or five years to enjoy that experience. And when it ends up not being fun, football is one of the worst sports on the planet that you can play and not have fun because it's so physically and emotionally and mentally taxing that if you're not having fun, you got to go practice in the cold, play games in the rain, get your ass kicked constantly. Your coach is just riding you, act like he doesn't care about you. All he cares about is paycheck or winning and blames things on like that. Football is the worst sport for that. And fortunately I never had to go through it. I didn't play high school football and play college football. So, you know, I played for a winning program. You know I mean? We like to top, black college football program in the uh, in the 80s and early 90s. So I never experienced losing. But to watch my kid go through that and just see how how it just made him borderline depressed, it was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, okay, but you got to hang in there because I believe that God has a plan for this program, you know, not only for you, but for this program and these other kids because you guys don't deserve this not this. I mean, there's a lot of losing programs out there, but it's it, it's different when you lose the way they were losing. And, you know, not, right. and I hate to even talk about it, but that stuff, that stuff is over. And, and you know, I, I said it a, a billion times, you know, Coach Satterfield was a godsend to uh, to the Louisville program. You know, that's why I sent, you know, I, that's why, I, you know, told my son and gave him a blessing. Like, yeah, you can go to school there, man, if you want to follow your brother. Hell yeah, go there. I, I I like them. I trust them. I, yeah, it, it can be what you make it. You know, you go down there and bust your ass and do the right thing and, you know, do well in the classroom and you play your hardest. You're going to have fun and you're going to win football games and let the rest take care of itself. You have other dreams. But, you know, that's, Louisville is a place that can happen, you know, for, for any, you know, top athlete that wants to come, come to school and play there. You know, the, the staff is there and the culture is there. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I'm curious of is is uh, early on in Dez's career, obviously he sat out his first year as a red shirt, but as a as a freshman, we'll still call him a freshman, he stepped into a team that had major expectations in Lamar's last year. They were they were supposed to do big things. And so now we're in the point where Christian is going to be stepping into a team where he has the opportunity to step into a role and play right away, much like Dez did, and be a big part of winning. So what advice has Dez given Christian from what he went through uh, whatever that was four years ago uh, to now where Christian's the guy that they, you know, they need another receiver to step into Seth Dawkins role or step into a, a depth role uh, and help them win. Well, well, I can tell you this. Dez is tough on Chris. He's really tough on Chris because, uh, you know, like I, I think I've said it before, Christian was a late bloomer. You know, we didn't know what the heck was going to happen with Christian. You know, he, he grew uh, vertically, you know, kind of late. You know, he wasn't super athletic, you know, like in middle school, he was a little slow and moved a little methodically, but uh, he was a quarterback and going into his ninth grade year, hurt his elbow and I, I made him work out with the receivers just to work on his quickness and athleticism. Three months later, I looked up and it's just like, geez, dude, you can be a receiver if you want to. Eyes lit up and he wanted to be a receiver. So Dez kind of watched his journey and Dez knows that he's got a ton of physical potential. Like Christian's 6'4" probably 210, 212 or something like that right now. You know, ex yeah, ex-basketball player. You know, Chris Chris is physically gifted. For him to be 6'4", he can he can really move, like get in and out of his brakes, real quick feet, really, really good releases. You know, you're not gonna be jamming Christian on the line. He's he's got real quick feet and you know knows how to use his hands and stuff, but he still learn needs to learn how to be a college football player, which means you know, that Monday through Friday preparation, you know, being on time constantly, you know, not going to the bathroom, you know, before, you know, your, your, your first reps, 
you know, in the weight room. Just, you know, he's just he's just got to learn that stuff. And Dez has been, you know, super tough on him when it comes to preparation because I've always taught Dez that, dude, the games can be like clockwork. The game, you should be on autopilot when the game starts, you know, and that's why you can go for, you know, 170 yards in, a, in, a, in, a, in one half of a football because of his preparation. It's like you prepare Monday through Friday for Saturday. You know, and, and, and if you practice hard, then everything will be instinct. You know, your adrenaline take over. You'll have another gear on game day, but you have to practice hard. And you practice on the little things. You you run hard and practice to condition so that you can handle a 15-play drive and focus and make that, that really, really tough contested catch, you know, on third or fourth down, you know, on the 12th play of a long drive, and it's 85 degrees outside. You know, that's what you prepare for in practice. And, and, and that's what Dez is, you know, trying to, you know, preach to Christian and, you know, and get him to, because, you know, Dez will play hurt, you know, he, you know, he'll play hurt. He'll, he'll push through all that stuff. And, and those are the things that, you know, will make Christian a successful, you know, college football player if he learns how to handle that kind of stuff, you know, because, you know, showing up and all of a sudden, you know, you got to play against Clemson and Clemson's house. And even if it's only half packed, and, you know, you're in a game in the second quarter and, you know, all of a sudden you don't think your number is called, but you run a dig and here comes the ball, you know, and you see an orange jersey coming from this way and, a, and another orange jersey coming that way. What are you going to do? You're going to focus on the ball or you're going to flinch, you know, if you're focusing on the ball every day in practice, then your instincts are going to take over. You don't catch that ball, put a foot in the ground and, you know, hit him with a spin move and try to get a feel. But if not, you know, you might flinch and drop that ball. You know, are you going to be tough when it's, you know, when, when, the, when, when the running play is to your side and you're in the game? You know, are you going to block and try to drive that dude to the second row of the stands or you're going to miss your block, overrun him and miss your block because you're too hyped up? You know, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't practice hard. You know, so, so that, that, that's what Desmond is really, really uh, working on with Christian, man, is just getting him to learn how to prepare. Right. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jacob. I was just going to say, do you think that that gives Christian an edge for playing time and, and being able to be, you know, a bigger impact player as a freshman? Because, I mean, last year, I know it was year one, but they played two of their 13 or 14 freshmen, I think, and the rest of the guys redshirted. Um, do you think that this year, you know, Christian having that edge of, of being with Dez and knowing what he was kind of getting himself into, going through spring practice and being with Dez all this time, like, do you think he's ready to, to be an impact player because of that? I, I tell you this, if, if he's if he's not, it'll be his fault because, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing, he's absorbing the playbook pretty well. And uh, he had a good spring. You know, he was real physical blocking. You know, he's making some catches, making some plays. So, you know, when when fall camp starts, you know, or yeah, when fall camp starts or no, when they get back for workouts, you know, he's just got to continue to compete so he can be physically ready and physically ready means, you know, Monday through Friday, you can practice hard and then scrimmage, you know, that Saturday, you know, and then Monday, start all over again. You know, you know how to handle your bumps and bruises and, you know, you're not out because, you know, I hurt my elbow. You know what I mean? And, right. that, and, that, and those are the kind of things that happen to young players all the time. You know, they miss practice, sit out practices and things like that, or they're sitting on the sideline, you know, for 15, for 15 plays because, you know, well, my ankle's a little sore. Tape that damn thing up a little tighter and let's go. You know, and I said after practice, you know, that's all part of being a college football player. So if he doesn't take advantage of, you know, his brother being there, playing behind his brother, playing the same position, uh, being able to absorb the playbook, being 6'4", 210, and already having a college body, you know, if he's not ready to play, then shame on him. <laughs> and his ass will get, his ass will get red-shirted. <laughs> So, I have a quick question. So, with 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 ESPN coming out with, with the with the FBI uh, of of Louisville going ten and two, which you know was insane to think about at the time because we weren't even talking ten and two. Um, and then you got Dwayne Ledford calling last year's offense vanilla on multiple occasions. Um, and then we've also talked about you know the new wrinkles that you've even seen in spring practice. Where does that leave? you and your expectations for 2020 and you know what 
honestly, then people are going to call me such a homer. I honestly think. <laughs> no, if you think, to, if you think they the call you a homer, you're in the right spot, man. Don't, don't worry about it. Listen, bro, if you ask me, I, I think this is the year, honestly, I think this is the year that we might surprise a whole lot of people in those first few games. I'll just say that. We that might means, surprise a whole. We might surprise a whole lot of people in those first few games. I, 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 think, I think this is the year. I really do. I think this is the year. And I'm not just guessing or just praying. I, I just, based on what I saw last year and where I think we're going, or not where I know we're going this year, you know, barring injuries or something, you know, crazy happen, happening, I think that, you know, this is a year for us to catch lightning in a bottle and, and, and take that step. You know what I mean? Because a lot of, yeah. and, you, and you guys know how college football goes, you know, especially with the teams that, you know, aren't the Clemsons, aren't the Alabamas and, you know, everybody else is hit or miss, to be honest. Right. You know, yeah, in Ohio State, you know, they play in the week Big Ten that they think is a big-time conference, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but anyways. Uh, yeah, so there's only a few teams that you can, like, really say, yeah, this year they'll be 11-2 and, 11 and two, or they'll be, you know, 12-1. and one. But the rest of them, you know, it, it, it's hit or miss a lot of times. And, uh, and and I just think that last year, when you look at the season last year, you know, there were a couple of games we should not have lost. We should not have lost to Florida State. That should not Absolutely. have happened. Amen. Yeah, we should. We're on board. Yeah, Alex for, is on board with that. Man. Alex had been talking about Louisville beating Florida State for six months. Like, we were prepared oh, we, for that to be a win. Oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah, we should have beat that. We Yeah, we just had a couple of, like, missteps early, you know, defensively. And then offensively, you know, that, you know, we, you know, we kind of, yeah, we made a few mistakes no, down yeah, the stretch, we, we but yeah, I think they yeah, gave yeah, up we, eight, we eight sacks that game, seven or eight sacks. It was the highest sack total they gave up all season. Where and I didn't even remember that. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like anybody got sacked a whole lot. Uh, and I always thought that was the game where we saw like the real Mikhail Cunningham. Like the arm was like because I think that's the game Des had the, the catch over the shoulder. Uh, I'm yeah, pretty sure, yeah. yeah. And it was just like where did yeah, this well, quarterback come from? Who's been hiding this guy? Right, right. And, uh, and, and, and so we should not have lost that game. Uh, there was what, there was another here. And I, I also think this too. I actually said this comes out one day. I remember the very first game of the season, Notre Dame. I told Des, I said, Des, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to play Notre Dame well. And I said, there's going to come a point where, you know, you guys are going to get down. I said, when you get down, I said, one or two things are going to happen. I said, Coach Sadie's is going to start airing it out and try to beat those guys, or he's going to play a little conservative and try not to get blown out the very first game in front of the home crowd. And if you look at that game, you know, we didn't really just start airing it out and just going after those guys once we got down. You know what I mean? We just kind of we kind of said, ah, you know what? <sighs> okay, let, 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 let's get out of here because something bad can happen if we just start, you know, chucking it around the yard. And, you know, and, and it was for a variety of reasons, right? The offense was still a little vanilla. Coach Sat was still trying to figure out who his ballers were and so forth and so on. But, you know, you we played Notre Dame later in the season. I think we beat them. I honestly do. Absolutely. I think, Absolutely. We, I think, I think we beat them. I think, I, think, I think the Clemson game, if you look at the first half of that Clemson game, Clemson was very, very fortunate. We had Trevor Lawrence out there seeing ghosts. Mm-hmm. Great. You know? you're, yeah. you're jumping Twice into a rabbit though. hole now because yeah, this is the game. You've had like an entire oh, podcast on, yeah, because... on how many points were left on the board. Oh, talk of, that, that was the most frustrating half of football, and they played man. so well. You had you had Tutu drop a touchdown man. pass. You had the fumble that went into the two. end zone somehow ended up against two touchdowns. He's on a roll. Yeah. And then the last play of the yeah. game, uh, I'm not going to shout the defensive back out who was guarding the receiver, but you you tell me that receiver should have caught that pass in the back of the end zone on the last play of the half, and I tell you you're crazy. Nah. The defensive back got lost. Right. Yeah, and and and, that, and 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 Trevor Lawrence just kind of threw it up, you know, for grabs, honestly, oh, at that point. Yeah. So so th- so yeah, so so think about this. Think about this. Had we got that fumble, which was a fumble, it was a had fumble. We got that fumble. That that was a fumble. And let's just say we got the ball on the one yard line. We would have scored a touchdown, right? 
we intercepted him, I think, twice in the first half. You know, and then we had, yeah, and then we we had a couple missed opportunities, two or three missed opportunities on offense. And let's just say that we didn't miss those because those those were surefire, you know, touchdowns. So that stuff, that stuff happens. Yeah, and that stuff that stuff happens. Yeah, he's still a young player. That stuff happens, man. You know, and I, I can't see something like that happening with him this year. So let's just say those things don't happen. And, you know, football is a game of opportunities. We know that. But when I look at plays that are almost like surefire plays, those are three plays that are literally three touchdowns. And we intercepted that guy twice. Could you imagine if we're up on them like 21 to seven in the first half or, you know, or, or 21 to nothing, basically, right. in the first half? How does Trevor point- Lawrence? No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no. I, I didn't want to stop you. I just, yeah, I, I just meant to your say. point. I, I agree. Yeah, I know. I just stopped you again, and I'm terrible. No, but I think I think they have a re- legit chance to upset Clemson this year. Uh, I, I really do. I'm on board with that idea for the most part because we'll, less of we'll a, play them tougher. I can tell you that. You know that game has to be circled on every guy's calendar um, on the team. I mean, because they know they left points on the board too. So I, I think oh, everything we're talking about has been simmering all offseason for that game. So I do think they're going into that game with much more confidence than last year. And I do apologize for cutting you off probably 80,000 times in that 30 <laughs> no, seconds. all good, bro, because I – no, no, I know that game. I know that game gets everyone riled up. And, and think about this, too. Their receivers did not have a big day. We had – we shut those guys down. Their receivers were not creating separation. Those guys were having trouble with press coverage and things like that. So, you know, when you watch that game, you know, and I've watched that game probably four times. When I watch that game, I go, hmm, we could have beat those guys that day. You know, am I saying we're better than Clemson or anything like that? No. Do I want to beat them bad as hell? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please let's beat them. <laughs> Let me – Greg, let me ask you this. If there's a yeah. game on the calendar this year that the players have circled, I say it's Florida State. There's been a lot. that They've lost two years in a row on the last drive of the game. Uh, Florida State, uh, the, the players wouldn't mind, don't care about this, but for Louisville fans, they took the star quarterback out of the class. They've been the team that just the last couple of months we've just keep going head and head to head with. But who is the team in the players' mind that, that they have circled more than anyone? And I know that the coach speak would be every game's the same. We got to go out and beat the opponents. But who do they really want to beat? I think they really want to beat Clemson. I think they really want to beat Clemson. Because that game's got to give them that confidence. Game. Yeah, it's got to. Yeah, and, and, and it wasn't a fluky game for us. It was a fluky game for them. But for us, it wasn't a fluky game. You know, like like those weren't gimme interceptions that, you know, uh, dude threw in the first half. No, no, he, he, was, he, he wasn't he, – he was seeing ghosts. You know, we, we had a really good game plan in the secondary for him. And uh, it's that Etienne kid that broke our backs in the second half. I was hoping he graduated. <laughs> should have gone to the NFL. Declare, he really should have gone to the NFL. When I saw him come back, I was like, holy. And, and, and he and Dez, they, they chat a little bit. And Dez told me, he said, yeah, Dad, he told me early in the season that he was coming back. I was like, shoot. Yeah, I wanted him to go, man. <laughs> He's a good player. He's a good player, man. They they got a great team, man. You know, I mean, we all know that, man. I, you know, I just want to beat them really bad. They, right. But they, they have they have a great team. Yeah, and and I, I think everything you've already mentioned in, in terms of the offense, and then you know we haven't talked about it tonight, but just the defensive continuity they're going to gain with with a you know a defensive coordinator in his actual second year with U of L for the first time, and you know God knows how long. So, I, yeah, I think Coach Brown is a great coach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. so excited to see his system actually, you know, come to fruition because there's so many things that he was missing last year um, that that made that App State defense work. And, and you know, I, I don't know if there's 100% U of L fans that are still on board with with what it's going to look like because they haven't seen it. Uh, but you know, we've talked about it at length, and I really do think when he gets his players, and you know, you keep a coach um, in that position for multiple years, just like a Brett Venables. I mean. You know, that, for sure, that defense is a machine, you know, because of the continuity. Um, I really think, you know, we can have that on that side of the ball as well. You know, we've talked about Satterfield and the offense and it's going to be amazing. But I really think 
in order to beat a Clemson this year, it, it's definitely going to have to be on the defensive side of the ball again. No, no, no. You hit the nail on the head. And, and, and when you talk about, you know, the Clemson game, you know, Coach Brown had a really good game plan. You know, the first half we were doing super well, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was an offense that, you know, just had a couple missteps in the first half that, you know, you know, that that didn't give us the advantage that we should have had. Let's just say that. And, you know, I know Coach Brown is a, a, a great defensive mind. And when you watch some of those games, you know, like Boston College, uh, Virginia, you know, Wake Forest, when you watch some of those games, <clears throat> you'll see that there were a lot of times our defense just looked like they were just getting after it, you know, but then you'll have a Florida state game where, you know, we just had a couple of missteps, just guys not being in the right place. And that comes from playing in the system, you know, for the first time. Right. Right. So, absolutely. you know, a lot of these guys are playing in the system for the first time, you know, you know, defense is assignment football. We all know that. And these kids think about the kids who have been here for a minute. They've had several defensive coordinators, right? They've had several defensive coordinators and I was a defensive player, uh, you know, in college and after, and, uh, you know, it, it's all about knowing the system and being able to play with your instincts, you know, so you can play fast, you know, so you can trust what you see, you know, and when you're playing assignment football like that, you know, like coaches, uh, uh, coaches, uh, defense, coach Brown's defense, you know, you have to believe what you see so that you can play fast and make plays. And you will see when those guys were, you know, humming, you know, they, they look like a pack of hyenas. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, and they were getting after it. But then all of a sudden you see one blown assignment and all of a sudden it's just like, holy smokes, how's that dude right. that wide open? <laughs> or, or like, or like, what just happened there? This is a 60-yard touchdown. Yeah. And, and I think that kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and you know that's just a case of, you know, guys just, you know, when guys miss assignments like that and there's blown coverages or things like that, you just know that that's all communication. You know, and and I know, you know, I've, I've listened to Coach Brown coach, you know, because I listen to coaches while they're out there. And, you know, he preaches communication a lot. And, you know, when you're playing in the defense for the first year, you know, you're going to have those things happen. You know, the key is to, you know, be mentally tough enough to know that, you know, okay, coming back into the second year, you know, a lot of that stuff can't happen. You know what I mean? A lot of that stuff can't happen. And, I, and we've, we've got the players. We've got the talent. We've got the talent. We've got the coaches. Now this is year two. And uh, I think we're going to be fine. I think, we're, I think we're in for some fun football this year, guys. Really? Yeah, it's funny. We, one of the things that Alex and I talked about before before you hopped on was last year, if you remember on the show, you came on and we talked about the offense. And you made what the time was kind of a hot take. You're like, yeah, this offense, watch out. They're going to be really good. And we're like, okay, well, well we saw what happened last year. Let us, let us get a couple of games in before we can really believe that. Sure enough, you hit it right on the head. I mean, the offense was spectacular. <laughs> Uh, and you've already kind of said that tonight that like that, hey, that 10 and 2, 11 and 1, it's not unrealistic. But is there a guy on defense that that you think that with, you know, with the time that they've had to just continue to develop in the system that just one guy that you think is going to be a standout uh, player this year? Well, I always like Rajay. Like, like, yeah, like right. Right. To me, Rajay is just a football player. You know what I mean? You, you you see some guys and you just just know they're football players, not a specialist, you know, not just good at this or mm-hmm. just good at that. You know, you just pigeonhole them. You know, like they've got a lot of good uh, defensive players. Their corners are really good. Like I've watched those guys grow, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, and Daz and I talk about, you know, their defensive backs. Our corners are really good. They really, they really are. And if you watch them play against like the Clemson receivers and yeah. some of these other guys, they, yeah, th- those dudes can play. And, you know, like I said, they play a lot of assignment football. So, you know, they're, they're going to play a whole lot more. Com- I, I even saw it in uh, spring ball. You know, those guys were flying around and making plays in spring ball. But, you know, I love Rajay's game. I really do. Yeah, and I want to ask you one more one more question about Dez specifically. And, I, and you and I, again, this is another thing you and I talked about a couple weeks ago. But in terms of Dez skipping out on the NFL and waiting a year, what is the biggest feedback that you guys think that you got for Dez to improve upon as he heads into his last season and before he's draft eligible? Uh, everybody just wanted to see production. They just wanted to see production. Like last year, you know, like after Dez's redshirt uh, freshman year, you know, uh, uh, we were getting a lot of feedback from a lot of people, not just agents who will just blow smoke to you, but a lot of people were saying, like, look, you have another season like that. He can be gone after his redshirt sophomore year. 
you know, and remember, and remember, Daz put up like 700 yards and nine touchdowns as a part-time player coming off the bench. Yeah, broke you a know, bunch of play. records as a freshman <laughs> yeah. receiver. But but that's just playing in the four and five receiver sets. He started two games. That's it. In the two games he started where he was the Z receiver, which was the go-to guy in Petrino's offense, he had over 100 yards. Yeah, had over yeah over 100 yards against NC State in one half. Yeah. You know, so when he gets targets, he makes plays and he puts up numbers. So, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of, t- a lot of scouts wondered like, okay, so why does production drop like that? Well, you know, and, 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 you know, there's a couple, there's a couple little things that, you know, I tell them that I'd like to see more of, you know, but uh, other than that, it's really production. They want they, they just like to see his production go up. Yeah, and do you feel like there is a as of right now? I mean, I know I I would be willing to guess you're not a guy who lives on NFL mock drafts and is looking into that stuff and seeing where Des is ranked every day. But do you have oh, a gut feeling on heck no. <laughs> like you don't have anything else to do? But do you have no, like no. a gut feeling on where Des could go? Like what his ceiling is as a draft pick? Yeah, well, we we were hearing all kind of things, but see, but see, I don't ever look at the mock drafts and stuff like that because the mock drafts and all these guys on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, they they only get the first handful of guys right, you know, the first fifty picks or so. If you look at the receivers that were drafted this year, and I have them all charted, those guys were from all over the place. There's people that they didn't have a clue was going to go in the top of the second round. You know, there's a bunch of guys that they just you know, these so-called draft analysts missed on, you know, because they didn't take into account, you know, because here's what happens. Everybody just goes to every conference and takes the guys with the highest numbers, right, in the conference and say, okay, those are the top guys in the country. But they don't dig into their film. They don't look at their film. They don't see where the numbers came from. You know, think about this. Who was one of the highest uh, uh, production receivers in the ACC last year? It was a kid out of Syracuse. Did he get drafted? No. You know, a couple years ago, a kid out of Syracuse had a ton of yards. Did he get drafted? No. You know, so, you know, a lot of kids with a lot of yards, a lot of times don't mean anything. You know, if, if once they start digging into your film, once you declare and they start digging into your film and just really watching your film and seeing if you're getting open, even if the ball's not coming, seeing how many drops you have, see if you can get off of press coverage, see where your production actually came from. Was it a bunch of balls in garbage time? Can you catch on both sides of the field? Can you catch over both shoulders? You know, is your is most of your production due to play action and, you know, you being schemed open? Or are you actually beating guys? Like, there's so much that goes into it. You know what I mean? Once they start really digging into your film, you know, but 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 for me, you know, Dez gets targets. You know, he put up a th- over a, well over a thousand yards, super easy, like su- like super easy. I think Dez had two games with zero catches last year and three games with one. That's five games with <laughs> one or few catches, right? And still has six hundred yards and six touchdowns. You know, but he's you know he's got to stay healthy. He's got to play hard. He's got to you know there's there's a couple that I know he let get away from. You know, there's a couple of things he needs to do. Um, to improve the stock, but you know, I I, I think I think Dez could be a mid round pick easy. You know, anywhere between three and five. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he can. You yeah, know, and I, I was I was going to say like, I, like I, to I agree start with right that. now. Yeah, to start absolutely. Right now, that's what that's what we've been hearing. You know, but you know how that stuff goes. Absolutely, you know? and I, I yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head that not every person who's out there doing drafts can take in every different scenario and different circumstance. Des is in a really unique place of what happened 2018 is an anomaly uh, and probably wouldn't have happened had things not gone the way that they've gone. And so the production stuff makes sense, but I've always said he's the most complete player that Louisville has on their roster in terms of blocking, catching, speed, routes, all of it is uh, he's an NFL player and we've seen it since uh, the day that he stepped on the field in Lucas Oil that I'll never forget. I didn't know who he was at the time, uh, but I will never forget that game and uh, I think he's in for a special season and, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I can't even imagine what, what your excitement level is right now. Yeah. I'm excited for the whole team. I, I really am because I know how hard those kids are working and I know how excited they are, you know, to be playing, you know, football for the university of Louisville. As far as Des is concerned, it's just like, dude, look, you know what you have to do. Just go do it, you know, and let everything else, you know, take care of itself. Don't worry about the draft. Don't worry about agents. Don't worry about any of that crap. You know, if you go and play football the way that you know how to play football 
you know, and, and it's on and off the field. It's being a leader. It's practicing hard every day. It's lifting your teammates up. It's making sure that you block every play. You know what I mean? Like I always tell my, I always tell any player that I coach, if you're a red ass in the blocking game, in the run game, then you're going to always have a defensive back on his heels because he knows that he's got to deal with you as a blocker. So it's going to be easy for you to run by that guy if your body language is the same when you're coming off the line to block him or run a route. So all of those little things, you know, I talk to him about are the things that, you know, he just has to always carry to, you know, carry to the field every Saturday, you know, in addition to the zillion things that Coach Brewer is coaching him on. And, uh, you know, good things are happen if you prepare the right way. So that's all I'm really focusing on when it comes to him. It's just like, dude, just, just you know, all gas, no breaks, you know, both mentally, physically, preparation-wise, and, you know, Things will happen the way they're supposed to happen. Don't don't even think about the draft. You know, think about Absolutely. think about going freaking twelve and one. How about that? Because you know you get more you 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 get way more attention when you're on a winning team. You know, yeah. you'll get way. Look, if we if we go out there and you know beat a team like a Clemson, you know what I mean? And he has a good game, and you know the team plays well, and then all of a sudden people start digging in and you know figuring out why your production was low. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah. So, yeah. So first things first, man. The, yeah. The NFL, you know, that's always going to be there. You just got to be good enough to get there. So go be good enough. Greg, yeah, if ab- we get the record, you think we're going to get, I'll be the first one to buy you a beer at the New Year's six game. There you go. There you go, man. And look, if, if, if we beat Clemson, I'm storming their field with my shirt off. <laughs> Meet you at the pole, man. Meet there you, you go, bro. That's beautiful. Man. There you go. Well, Greg, we, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you again for taking time out of your Friday night to talk about no, football. Absolutely, which, man. The fact that we can even talk about football right now is just a blessing with everything that's going on in life. So thank you for joining I us. You know, guys can huge. You guys can you can follow Greg on on Twitter at Coach Fitz 7 He's got great, great commentary throughout the season. And uh, as always, Greg, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure, guys. Always cool talking to you guys.